1: Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
0: wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal with more entrepreneurs, more live events. And more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Encore, Jane, about creating a billion-dollar startup. Walter Isaacson, about the geniuses who change the world. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts
4: on the Bechdel cast the questions asked if movies have women in them are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands or do they have individualism the patriarchy's effing vast start changing it with the Bechdel cast
5: hey Jamie hey Caitlin um sorry that's
6: mother Caitlin to you oh yeah no I'm sorry I'm (laughs) I'm definitely not a mother also
5: no no yeah it's it's um in a way we're all mothers and mm. we're all here at this dance academy
6: mm-hmm. and something something world war 2 something something something. something. cold war and it's all feeling kind of profound isn't it and Mm. we're witches surprise (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's not really a surprise you figured that out pretty early yeah 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 true the real question is why does tilda swinton look like the six flags guy when she's playing the, uh, I could, I could not, I, 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 guess I went into the movie knowing that she plays the psychologist, mm-hmm. which great, mm-hmm. but why does she look like the Six Flags guy?
5: Uh, she does as the psychologist, or yes, yeah, I think she looks more like the Six Flags guy for that character who doesn't speak and stabs herself in the neck.
6: Oh, that's true. Cause that has the glasses element. Yeah. yeah. So she's so mm-hmm. versatile. Um, I, <laughs> that is Tilda Swinton
5: in that role too, right?
6: Yes. That one I think is yeah, more yeah. obviously Tilda Swinton. That would be yeah. an interesting, uh, piece of clickbait to read is Tilda Swinton characters <laughs> ranked by how much they look like the six flags guy. <laughs> Sure, sure. She should play the Six Flags guy in a biopic. <gasps> I'm not mad
5: about it. um Okay, hello, and welcome to the Bechtel cast.
6: Yeah, that <laughs> didn't <name>. pass. <laughs> the, uh,
5: it's well, yeah. yeah the Six Flags but guy. But I think if if you're talking about the Six Flags guy as played by
6: Tilda Swinton, Tilda Swinton, I think it does. But she's playing a pass. male character. I don't know, Six Flags mm. guy. Tricky. Let's get semantic right at the beginning of the show. I think that that would (laughs) really hook in listeners. (laughs) Just like Dakota Johnson hooks her vagina question mark. We'll get into that later. Oh
5: my god, the hooks.
6: Yeah. Um anyway, this is the Bechtel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus, and this is our podcast where we look at your favorite movies using an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test as a jumping off point for discussion. Mm-hmm. But Caitlin, what is that? Well, it's just a media metric created by queer cartoonist
5: Alison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel Wallace Test. Uh-huh. Originally appearing in Alison Bechtel's comic Dykes to Watch Out For in the eighties as a a bit as a goof it's since been used as a popular media metric by people such as us but again we only use it as a jumping off point our version of the test is that two people of a marginalized gender must speak to each other about something other than a man specifically the six flags guy mm-hmm. for Two lines of dialogue or more, preferably some narratively substantial conversation.
6: A lot of movies don't pass. This one does. And so, you know, you can just Mm. sort of (laughs) wash your hands of of, uh, wondering. Passes (laughs) very early and consistently. And no one talks about the Six Flags guy. And that's Mm -mm. actually one of my bigger criticisms of the film. Yeah, yeah. But historically, they couldn't. I think he uh, wasn't, you know, a popular figure till the 90s. Let's get our guests in here. Um, (laughs) Talk about two guests who uh, love to (laughs) explore grotesque motherhood. In a very different way.
5: Mm-hmm. Indeed, yes. They are the creators of Teenage Euthanasia, which is currently available to stream. It's Alison Levy and Alyssa Nutting.
4: Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Yes, this, I,
7: I don't think they talked about any man in this movie <laughs> at any point, let alone yeah. for two lines in a row.
4: <laughs> I am wondering if the Six Flags guy is its own marginalized gender
7: perhaps wow. mm-hmm. and then what if Tilda Swinton actually is the Six Flags guy that was my mm-hmm. like do we know that she's not we don't know that she's not
6: that would be a really good long con it's like when you learn that J.K. Simmons is the yellow M&M and you're like mm-hmm. what it all comes to ge-. oh Caitlin I love that I got to tell you that wow. he's been the yellow M&M for like at least 10 years probably longer I Yes, <gasps> Gasp. I know, I know. It's also like when that one stormtrooper
5: in The Force Awakens who has like two lines of dialogue and is getting like force mind controlled by Rey as she's like discovering her powers is Daniel Craig. What? But you never know because he's in a stormtrooper costume.
6: Good, good for him. <laughs> um. I find that fascinating
5: personally anyway.
6: I, it's, it's no yellow M&M for me, but I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun, okay, okay we're talking about Suspiria uh the 2018 adaptation by oh god Italian name I am not I'm gonna fuck it up Luca Guadagnino Guadagnino (laughs) (laughs) Guadagnino Ewan McGregor yep (laughs) uh just list of names I've never said correctly Luca Guadagnino Mm -hmm. most famous it's his first movie I didn't realize this was his first movie after call me by your name yes kind of a wild follow-up but obviously not the first adaptation of this movie that was in 1977 by Dario Argento, and we'll sort of talk about the like changes made mm-hmm. to the 2018 movie because it's a lot. It's about an hour's worth of they're, stuff.
5: They're very different movies.
6: Yeah, yeah. And I imagine we
5: will just cover the 1977 Suspiria in a different episode at
6: some point. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very, very different. Um, yeah. But first, I guess with. I, I would expand this to either Suspiria. Alyssa, let's start with you. What's your history with the Suspiria expanded universe?
4: Um, okay, I, I do want to. Like, I read that that Tilda wore a prosthetic penis when she played the um, the German psychoanalyst. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and that that kind of eclipses a lot of sort of like what I. I don't know, thoughts I had about the film initially. Um, Mm. And there's a great gif of her from this movie, Eating Wings. Mm -hmm. Um, That's also just like a gift. Yeah, I want to put out there if people haven't (laughs) seen that gif. Like you can send it, um, you can send it for almost anything. It's kind of one of those universal, it's like, oh, blood. You know what I mean? Like any... any situation can use um, Tilda eating wings. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I loved I loved the original um, and was really excited for the new one. I didn't I didn't expect it to be as different. I guess I'll I'll begin mm-hmm. there. But, you know, I like being um, aroused and frightened at the same time. So I'm a I'm a big fan of both.
5: Sure. It's a horny movie and it's a scary movie. It's accomplishing a lot of emotions. Check,
4: check.
6: Alison, <laughs> uh, what about you? Uh, either Suspiria, both Suspirians. Well, I
7: see like two horror movies a decade. I'm like, ai don't <laughs> like the feeling of being afraid. I, I don't like the manipulated feeling of fear. Um, but for some reason, I did see this movie when it came out in the theater, which, again, highly, un, you know, not regular for me to do. Um, and I liked it a lot, which also at the time seemed, you know, people just decided they hated it or something. But I I, I don't know. But I liked it. And I watched it this morning at kind of yap speed to prepare for today. And I <laughs> liked it at yap speed, too. It's I don't know. It, it's really beautiful. And and I also think uh, I didn't realize how much mother stuff was in there, actually. And now that's probably why I liked it, too, because that is mm-hmm. one of my more favorite topics.
6: Mm-hmm. Jamie, how about you? Um, I had seen both Suspiria's before, but not for... A while, And I know that when I saw the Luca Guadagnino one, I was like probably not fully paying attention because it's streaming on Amazon Prime, which means if a movie's long and it's streaming, I'm going to be in and out of the room. I'm going to be peeing and not pausing. I'm going to be missing some things and not really worrying about it. So it felt like a fresh look at it. I'd seen the Argento one, uh, I don't know when, but I remember like... I don't know, like it's not really doing much in the way of like subverting slasher tropes as as much, but it's beautiful and the score rips. Mm. And I just remember liking, like, even though it wasn't like, whatever, doing much in the way of um, subverting any sort of witchy tropes or whatever. Because we've been talking about so many witch mm. movies recently that mm. I feel like on witch patrol where I'm like nothing really new there but it just like the way it's stylized is pretty incredible and really memorable and so um I liked it I rewatched it before watching the new Suspiria just to get a full idea of like how complicated the new narrative is in comparison mm-hmm. and I don't know I feel like uh I'm I've I was not expecting to be like meh on this new one, and I am open to being swayed. I didn't really like it very much. I thought it was like doing, uh, it's so weird, because it's like, whatever, this show was airing (laughs) when this movie came out, it's Mm -hmm. only five years old, but it already feels like kind of funky to me of like a male auteur trying Mm -hmm. to craft a reaction to the Me Too movement. I think if I watched it in 2018, I would have liked it more than mm-hmm. I liked it now. But now it just felt like, oh yeah, that was like the series, like the you know stretch of a couple of years where all of our Malo tours were like, don't worry, you guys, I get it. And like <laughs> it, I don't know. Like parts of this w- movie were from certain angles i really liked this movie i liked what it tried to add with like historical context and like giving you more than just sort of your standard slasher characters Mm -hmm. but then there were other parts that i was like what is he on about what what's (laughs) all this then yeah yeah it's kind of like not loving this movie the way i was expecting to anyways Caitlin, what's Mm -hmm. your history
5: with Suspirias? I saw the first Suspiria in the early 2000s and I've seen it a few times since and I generally like it. Although I find the story just sort of like, what is this about again? But witches are mean, and they need new ones. (laughs) Right, right. I. It's a tone poem, I would say, between (laughs) like the color scheme, the lighting, the score, you know, it's like, it's just sort of something you put on and kind of like, vibe to in a horror way, you know, and I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. The new one, I find more narratively compelling, because I feel like it tries to have more of a plot. But I have similar gripes as you, Jamie, as far as um, I mean, we'll get into it. But I did see it in theaters. I was one of like I don't know eleven people who saw it because this movie tanked. In- <laughs> yeah, I also saw yeah. it in the you're theater. Awesome. I, I, we yeah. must have been in the same show. It was just
6: us. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I would have liked it better if I had seen it in the theater the first time too, because it's like it seems like it's the sort of movie where it's like if you're like in it, it
7: probably mm-hmm. hits harder that dancing too is really cool yeah i mean i don't know the dancing and again as much as i dislike horror i also dislike dancing and so it like (laughs) sort of doubly seemed problematic for me but no i i I, maybe like they cancel each other out but i I Mm. liked all the the dancing (laughs) uh on the big screen because the sound is really cool too that you probably don't hear if you're like wandering around your apartment while you watch it the sound is pretty cool um
5: yeah. Yeah. There's cool stuff. I mean, there's there's things to like certainly
6: and the dancing's of... amazing. The costumes are mm-hmm. incredible. The makeup. It made me stuff. realize that there's apparently a whole like subgenre of horror that's like ballet or dance horror. <laughs> yeah. Center parts.
4: A lot of center parts. Yes. Mm-hmm.
5: Middle parts. Yes. Uh Yeah, so I'm excited to get into it. I feel, even though I watched the movie twice and did a bunch of reading, I still feel underprepared because there's just, there's so much. There's a lot of lore that was established by Dario Argento and Daria Nicolodi, who co-wrote the first Suspiria movie. Is that correct? Um, Yes. So there's all this lore and then... This Suspiria movie from 2018 being set in Cold War, mostly West Berlin, and a bunch of stuff that I still don't understand. Every t- time I try to learn about the Cold War, I read so much and I still do not really quite understand it let me
7: paint the picture for you i'm just kidding i was
6: like fortunately the uh, the three of us are cold war (laughs) (laughs) scholars i know it's like we mutually figure i don't know as because i was texting you while i was watching Mm -hmm. the movie as well i'm like i
7: i just it's just not coming in it's mm -hmm. not coming in i mean i i I actually can paint the picture a tiny bit of the berlin part if this is if this helps at all i've been to berlin a lot of times and i had friends there so I think why it's mm-hmm. set there and why it was interesting to me and the whole Biter Mannhoff stuff, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, mm-hmm. the seventies in Germany, they're like the, the people who were born after the war mm-hmm. are like confronting their disgusting parents who were Nazis. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're all like coming of age and realizing they have to confront this, like not in some theoretical construct, but with their actual families Mm -hmm. um and so that it's like there it's like a whole 70s like apocalyptic you know uh political thing where everything's like busting apart and there's like actual terrorists Mm -hmm. that are you know creating havoc and then the whole east and west is this like crazy schism right you guys know like you Mm -hmm. couldn't go from one to the other it's like families are divided again um yeah and then the whole the whole east part like when he goes there the other thing I thought was kind of cool is because it's famous for like the Stasi, which was like Google before Google, like irl google where there's like people keeping track of every single thing you're doing what you're saying Mm -hmm. you're being recorded all the time but there's like actual (laughs) humans writing this down where'd she go who she's meeting with and everyone's telling on each other Mm -hmm. so it's like this absolute state of paranoia which i think is what the therapist thing is about but it's real Mm -hmm. it's like how this is real there really are riches and there really is this entire state of paranoia Mm -hmm. that they're all living in Mm -hmm but that's you know my that was why i thought it was set in germany this time yeah no
6: that's that's super i and i think that like it it def, i thought it was a cool concept for them to set the 2018 movie in germany at the time that the original came out with like the benefit of knowing what happens and like how to yeah like there there's so much talk about generational trauma through like World War II specifically but And also just how generational trauma exists Between mothers and daughters mm-hmm. And I like all of that But why don't <laughs> I like this movie?
7: Well... <laughs> Let's explore. I wouldn't even convince you that you should. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but
6: I just am like, and maybe it was just too long. <sighs> but I don't know. It's very uh, long let's... and not very quickly paced. There was a post-credit sequence, yeah, which I, like, I don't understand. It's Doctor like, just... strange ass approach <laughs> to. They're... I think I missed. Um, Anyways, yeah. Well, let's
5: take a quick break and then come back for the recap.
1: Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal, with more entrepreneurs, more trailblazers, more live events, more Martha, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Encore Jane about creating a billion dollar startup. Dr. Elisa Pressman about the five basic strategies to help parents raise good humans. Florence Fabricant about the authenticity in the world of food writing. Be sure to tune in to season two of the Martha Stewart podcast. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Here is the story, which is set in mostly West Berlin in 1977. And we meet a young woman named Patricia, played by Chloe Grace Moretz, who pays a visit to her psychologist, Dr. Klemperer, who is an old man, although it's Tilda Swinton in makeup. Uh, One of the many characters, the the Six Flags guy, some would say. Mm -hmm. One of the many characters that Tilda Swinton plays in the movie. And Patricia tells him they're witches although we don't know who or what she's referring to yet.
6: We also hear Chloe Grace Moretz say the iconic line, they're going to eat my my cunt on a plate. My hollowed out cunt on, on a plate. plate. You're right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. a fun
7: cross stitch, you know.
6: As like that's a fun <laughs> that may be is the first time that sentence was written down. Yeah. And I like mm-hmm. that. I'm like, yeah. I am in
7: it now. I'm in <laughs> right? it. Right. Like
6: you
4: yeah. should get points for that, right? I will, I'll be it's a defense attorney, right? Like, I mean, come <laughs> on. Like how yeah. many points for that, right? I mean, yeah. even if it's yeah. even if it didn't do anything else.
7: Yeah. Yeah. You had to cut on a plate, you know. Just <laughs> <there>. so, <laughs> the
6: stakes are high.
5: <laughs> okay. So then we cut to a Mennonite family in rural Ohio we meet a young woman named Susie Banyan, played by Dakota Johnson, as she sits by the bedside of her very ill mother. Then we cut to Susie in Berlin. She arrives at the Marcos Dance Company for an audition, and even though she has no formal dance training, she gives an audition that impresses the people in charge, one of them being Madame Blanc, also Tilda Swinton, and Susie is accepted into the company in a building where, like, the dancers also live. So, like, the performances are there, the dormitories where the dancers stay are there. It seems like all of the, the matrons who are, like, the faculty and staff of this place, mm. everyone lives there.
6: Right, and there's, when she gets in, there's sort of, this, like, definitely does not appear in the Argento version, but they, it's, like, taken, they take a moment to emphasize that all of your needs are taken care of and that a woman's financial independence is not lost on them. And is very important to them. And that is originally what makes, I mean, Susie almost bursts into tears uh, upon Mm -hmm. hearing that because it seems like she grew up with not very much.
5: Yeah. Then Susie meets a few of the staff. There are instructors, administrators, a house mother, again, the matrons, not to be confused with the matrons of our matrion.
6: Um, yes. <laughs> because um, Patreon has a patriarchal slant <laughs> that we don't like. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. call, I would say that about maybe one third of the women who uh, run this school are Tilda Swinton.
7: Yes, <laughs> but there's true. others as well. And the rest, the rest are more conventional hags, which is again, I'm, I'm pretty into that. I'm We're really in. into hag core in general. And it's a <laughs> wonderful and diverse body type of hag. Mm.
6: I do like, yeah, like all of the like older women in this, I mean, I, it, it
7: reaches a point sometimes where it's
6: like, I don't know, but as far as the administration goes, I'm like, oh yeah, women that are uh, like, look their own age and mm-hmm. are not constantly belittled for
7: it.
5: Yeah. Yee-haw, yeah. imagine. All are welcome at
6: <laughs> the dance
7: yeah. company. You assume they're all ex-dancers, so they seem they seem pretty lithe. is that the right word? Mm-hmm. They're pretty, they seem like they can move pretty good. I've mm-hmm. been kind of jealous of that, but anyway. No.
4: <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's the witchcraft too, that probably. That's yeah. probably helping. That
6: keeps you limber. Uh-huh. <laughs>
5: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If I could, I would cast spells on myself so as to not wake up in pain every morning. (laughs) Anyway, so Susie meets the matrons. She also meets another dancer named Sarah, played by Mia Goth, and they become
6: friendly. I like Mia Goth so much. I forgot she was in this movie. She's great. Yeah. She's an incredible, like, horror actor incredible. specifically. Like, I'm excited. Probably, to... like,
4: one of the best, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. saw
7: Infinity Pool.
4: Oh. She's the standout. Beyond,
7: sure. beyond standout. hmm And I
5: know that people really like X and Pearl, neither of which I've seen yet, but... I really,
6: too
7: afraid, too afraid. I
6: really liked... Of the two, I, I loved Pearl pearl i thought pearl was mm-hmm. awesome we should cover pearl at some point and she was great in emma yeah. anyways
4: mm-hmm.
6: hope she's well i hope she's
5: well i hope
4: she's well i hope she's well
5: um also worth noting that everyone at the dance company the dancers the matrons uh etc everyone is a woman almost as if it's a coven of witches yeah there wouldn't Um. surely
6: there wouldn't just be a group of
5: women (laughs) never a group of women equals a coven
6: not in the Um. 70s something's afoot
5: okay then there's a scene where the matrons are casting votes for either marcos or blanc and it's voted that mother marcos will remain in charge then there's a conversation about how they have to choose the right girl to perform some ritual because Patricia aka Chloe Grace Moretz didn't work out and now Patricia seems to be missing the other dancers particularly Sarah is worried about her and they don't know where she is
6: which is interesting because in the in the original version that is Susie i mean there's like Susie's whole narrative in this movie mm. is unique to this movie, but originally it's like the American girl shows up and finds out something's afoot and immediately starts investigating it and doesn't, I don't know. It's just like the character Mm -hmm. is totally different, but that's more Mia Goths vibe in this movie yeah
5: Yeah. and they're wondering if Mia Goth's character Sarah might be the right choice for this ritual that they will be performing Mm. uh Sarah then helps Susie get settled into her dormitory and then the dancers start rehearsing for an upcoming performance of a dance called Volk which and they're doing like contemporary dance slash German expressionism modern dance. I don't know exactly what genre this is. I learned a but it's not bit... ballet like it is in the first Suspiria movie.
6: Yeah, they're pulling from like this specific... German choreographer named Mary Wigman. Mm -hmm. And I guess that that is like who Dakota Johnson studied. She's a modern dancer Mm -hmm. during this time. But the reason she is not explicitly credited or referenced within the movie is because I think a lot of what you were like referring to of like kind of one of the narrative complications of this movie, Allison, where she was likely connected to Nazism in some way. So she had a lot of influence in German dance, but is uh, not really discussed today. Although I think it's her work that's being pulled from for this choreography. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
5: So they're doing, they're, they're prepping for this performance uh, for this dance called Volk. Uh, the one dancer, Olga, is upset that Patricia is gone and she calls Madame Blanc a liar and a witch. And she runs out intending to quit the company. So now they don't have a protagonist because Olga was supposed to dance that part, but Susie volunteers, even though she's brand new and people are skeptical of her skill level. She's like, I can do it.
6: And she starts dancing. She's so Christine Daae in Phantom of the Opera where she's like, me, I guess I could. And then she fucking
7: (laughs) kills it.
5: Yeah, she's dancing. And as she's dancing, we see Olga trying to leave, but she gets trapped in a room. And it's as if Susie's dance movements are puppeting Olga's body. And so it's contorting her in this really gruesome, violent way. It's breaking her bones and Twisting her all around.
6: I know this movie came out afterwards, but it reminded me very much of a similar dance scene in Us. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. But that, that came out the year after this, so I think it's a coincidence. Yeah. But while the yeah. <laughs> this setup was on people's minds,
5: <laughs> right? <laughs> We are also occasionally following Dr. Klemper around. He visits, I think it's his old house in East Berlin, where he used to live with his wife, who went missing many years ago. We also see him looking through Patricia's journal, and he sees some peculiar stuff about this dance company, and he calls the police and reports Patricia missing. Now, back at the company, some of the matrons find Olga's grotesquely contorted body. They barely react. They stick some large hooks in her and drag her away. So it seems like this is just par for the course at the old Marco's Dance Company.
6: A lot of of hook imagery in this movie.
5: Yeah, (laughs) truly. Uh, then we hear a conversation, which so some of the conversations in this movie seem to be happening telepathically, where the matrons/slash witches are communicating with their minds.
7: You didn't like that part, Jamie. Oh, no, I did like that part. That was a good part, I thought. That was really good. Like, when they're just <laughs> having the dinner, but then this whole thing mm-hmm. is happening. I, I kind of loved that. Actually. I thought that mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. yeah, no, That like, there, I didn't hate this movie.
6: <laughs> Let me be clear. I just feel like, I don't know. I'm excited to talk about it later in the episode, where I felt like there were so many elements of this movie that I liked, and I didn't really, I don't know. Like, I just where it landed, I found confused. I was, like, not happy with yeah. the way that it ended, I guess.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, anyway, so we hear this conversation
5: where they are rethinking their choice of Sarah and instead maybe they should try the new girl, Susie, for the ritual they're planning. Uh, then two cops show up to the dance company trying to find Patricia, but some of the matrons seemingly put them in a hypnotic trance. They're taunting them. They're taking their pants off and like touching. That was them. my other
7: favorite part. <laughs> they're yeah. They're and they're
5: touching them with the hooks. Like they're like kind of prodding the one guy's penis with one of the hooks, and it's uh, really something. Um, the dancers continue to rehearse with Madame Blanc instructing them. She's working closely with Susie, training her up. She's like jump higher. Then we see this hand, this like close-up on a hand with these like long gross fingernails, and apparently it's Mother Marcos from like the depths of this building wanting to feel Susie's energy. Then Dr. Klemper approaches Sarah about Patricia and her belief that a coven of witches is running this dance company. And he's like, Sarah, maybe you should check this out. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I see no evidence of this. Leave me alone. Hmm. But Sarah starts to get a little suspicious and she does start investigating the building and finds a room with some weird stuff, including those large hooks and she also hears some screaming coming from another room. And that screaming, I think, is that other Tilda Swinton character with the big plastic framed Six Flags guy glasses. Yes. Who we had seen picking up a knife and stabbing herself in the neck for reasons.
6: For, yes. That we definitely understand movie reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she and the psychiatrist should have hung out because they had Mm. a similar Tilda Swinton, Six Flags guy aesthetic. I feel like they would have made (laughs) sense together as friends, even, you know. Exactly.
5: Okay. So Sarah is, you know, hearing and seeing this freaky stuff so she runs out and she goes to see Dr. Klemper again who tells Sarah about what Patricia had written in her diary about the three mothers and I'm gonna try to pronounce their names it's Mother Tenenbrum, the Royal <laughs> Um it's Mother it's like being l- l- drunk, drunk at a party m- and trying to remember <laughs> the name of a movie
6: yeah <laughs>
5: Mother, oh God, I don't know, marum, I don't know. And then Mother Suspiriorum or something. I don't know if I said that one right. Anyway, uh, Mother Marcos claims to be one of the three, but there is dissent among the group of matrons, hence that vote we saw earlier as to who should be in charge. And it seems like Madame Blanc is also insisting that she is one of the mothers.
7: This is kind of the bitchiest part of the movie.
0: (laughs) But
7: then kind of like in cat fighting between them. Which, which old witch is in charge?
5: <laughs> which witch? Yep. Then Sarah confronts Susie, accusing her of making some kind of deal with the witches. And Susie's like, No, nothing is wrong. Everything is normal. Tee hee. <laughs> and we're like, Wow, gaslighting much? Uh, Then it's the night of the show that the company is putting on and as the dancers are getting ready Sarah snoops around the building again and she finds Patricia and some of the other dancers I think Olga maybe the one who had been like badly contorted um, they are alive but their bodies are badly injured and they're like
6: decaying. They're kind of being kept in storage it looks like
5: yeah they're like being held against their will some kind of catacombs underneath mm-hmm. the dance goal. yeah yeah it's really scary uh, and sarah is freaked out and she's trying to escape but she falls and breaks her leg because like the witches are preventing her from escaping and then some of the matrons find her and put her into a trance and heal her leg meanwhile the performance is going on upstairs with susie dancing the lead and Sarah in her trance joins in, but she falls and cries out in pain. And Dr. Klemperer, who is there to watch, is like, Wow, something weird is definitely going on. I was right. They changed the eye
7: colors too, the
5: yes, two girls. Yes. It's yes. very weird. Mm-hmm. And
7: switcheroo. You don't realize what is happening. And then yeah you sort of realize it yeah
5: right i know like toward the end of the movie i was like wait is was dakota fanning's eyes were they always brown
6: dakota and who
5: what did i say dakota <laughs> did i say dakota fanning i knew i was gonna did do that
6: dakota's straight oh my god i'm that's so okay. sorry that's everybody okay. that's dakota okay Johnson. inside of everyone there are two dakotas yeah
5: <laughs> <laughs> north and south or east and west like Berlin anyway okay so then there's another day of rehearsals and Madame Blanc is like okay it has to happen tonight this ritual with Susie where Susie will be some sort of vessel for Mother Marcos and Susie seems to be in on it she is a willing and knowing participant meanwhile Dr. Klemperer's his wife who again went missing decades earlier suddenly reappears and she's played by Jessica Harper, who played Susie Banyan in the original Suspiria from 1977 and who has been on this show friend of the cast on the Rosemary's baby episode. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, Dr. Klemperer and his wife Anka have a tearful reunion and they're walking through the city at night And then she brings him to the dance company and then immediately disappears because it was a trick. The witches tricked him into going there because they're going to use him as the witness for the ritual. The ritual starts, we're in this big underground room. The dancers are naked, they're dancing and writhing around. Sarah is getting disemboweled. Mother Marcos is there. We finally see her in the flesh. She is also played by Tilda Swinton. And she is a sight to see. A vision. (laughs) A a vision. A legend. You know, we'll talk about that character more. But basically, she's she's made to look very grotesque. How many times do we
6: talk about that happening? Yeah. (sighs) Seriously. Reminds me of, I feel like that goes back to, not like cinematically, just like times we've talked about it. I feel like. The Shining, maybe. The
5: Shining, we talked about yeah. it, and the Vavitch, we've uh, countless times. This conversation Vavitch. is always coming up. Midsummer, yeah. Comes a plot. Oh, uh, and then Susie is like, "I'm ready," <laughs> and we think she's going to be sacrificed. And then Madame Blanc is like, "Something doesn't feel right. We have to stop this." But before she can, Mother Marcos kind of like half decapitates Madame Blanc, and then Marcos is like okay, Susie, let's keep going. And by the way, you have to kill your mother back in Ohio, because I'm the only mother you need. But then another super witch, I don't really know who this is supposed to be. But a very scary being shows up. And Susie's like, hey, Mother Marcos, for which mother were you anointed again? And she's like, Mother Suspiriorum and Susie's like well that's interesting because I am Mother Suspiriorum and then the super witch kills Mother Marcos and anyone who had voted for Marcos by exploding their heads into a burst Mm. of blood (laughs) then Susie goes to Patricia, Olga, and Sarah and they all ask to die they're you know in pain and they've been you know brutally tortured and stuff mm. so susie slash the new mother suspiriorum releases them from their mortal coils mm. and the other dancers are still dancing and susie's like yes keep dancing she also rips open her own chest at some point for oh, yeah
6: reasons and it's because she's got like a, a heart of darkness uh, yes. Mother Sp- Suspiriorum vibes. <sighs> Truly. She's just,
7: I think it's, she's like, she's not a person. So you're just like, it's whatever this is. Yeah. This mm-hmm. spirit, this magic. It mm-hmm. does sort of looked
5: like a hollowed out cunt Caitlin, <laughs> in her chest. Oh my God. <gasps> Sorry. Jesus. I'm just quoting the movie. Anyway. Oh,
4: I'm open to it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
5: Thank you so much. Uh, Then we see the aftermath of all of this, where one of the matrons escorts Dr. Klemperer out of the building. We see the remaining matrons whose heads didn't get exploded. They're cleaning up the bloody mess from the night before. Madame Blanc is still sort of alive, but uh, who knows? Um, Then Susie pays a visit to Dr. Klemperer at home. And she's like, you deserve to know the truth about what happened with your wife. And she tells him that she was killed in a Nazi death camp in 1943. um, And that she was thinking of him when she died. And then Susie erases his memory of... His wife Anka, of Patricia and Sarah and Susie herself, basically all of the women that were his undoing. And then the movie in, ends with an image of the house he lived in with Anka um, and this, like, engraved, like, their initials engraved with, like, a heart drawn around it, which he will never remember because the witches don't want him to remember the <laughs> end. So that's the movie. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back to discuss.
0: I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? Yes.
1: This is a show about women.
3: Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and we're back with a new season of my podcast. This season will be even more revealing and more personal with more entrepreneurs, more trailblazers, more live events, more Martha, and more questions from you. I'm talking to my cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Dan Belkin, about the secrets behind my skincare. Walter Isaacson about the geniuses who change the world. Encore Jane about creating a billion-dollar startup. Dr. Elisa Pressman, about the five basic strategies to help parents raise good humans. Florence Fabricant about the authenticity in the world of food writing. Be sure to tune in to Season 2 of the Martha Stewart Podcast. Listen and subscribe to the Martha Stewart Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: And we are
6: back. All right. <laughs> Where should we start? Where do we start with this movie? I mean, I guess just to for people listening who have not seen either movie or have only seen the 2018 movie, the differences between the two Suspirias are pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say that there's obviously a lot of love and care put into the 2018 version to pay homage to the original. The protagonist's name is the same. Uh, Susie comes from America to... a a dancing organization in Berlin in both times Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there. The dance company is full of witches both times, but the Mm -hmm. Argento version is plot wise pretty cut and dry as far as witch stories go. I I think that what makes it different is, you know, unlike most slasher films of this era and still to some extent now, depending on what you're watching, it's not men butchering women; it's women butchering women. Although it's shot very similarly, and um, it's it's sort of a straightforward: an innocent young woman comes to Berlin and finds witches, and she survives till the end, and is sort of this uh, pure figure throughout Mm -hmm. this one is obviously very different Mm -hmm. Um, but for those who haven't seen the Argento movie that's basically what it is and it has all these separate issues that the 2018 movie does not share with it so we'll save that for another episode yeah I also want to share some of the like
5: lore of the three mothers which I didn't realize until I started researching for this episode But it's, I wasn't sure if like the three mothers were based in some sort of myth, like existing mythology. And it was inspired by existing mythology. But basically, Dario Argento conceived of this trio of mothers and made a trilogy about the three mothers. So Suspiria from 77 is one of the movies of this trilogy that focuses on you know, Mother Suspiriorum. He also made a movie called Inferno and another movie called Mother of Tears, which each of those movies focuses on the other two of the three mothers. And Throughout the course of this trilogy, you learn that it's these like, you know, ancient witches who I think invented, it was like three sisters who invented witchcraft, and then started just like going around Europe, amassing wealth throughout the centuries, amassing power, leaving death in their wake wherever they went uh they were able to manipulate world events on like a global scale you know killing anyone who got in their way or discovered who they actually were and they were determined to rule the world now the witches wanting more world domination <laughs> doesn't come across super clearly in this movie which is actually one of my criticisms about it because i kept being like
6: oh okay
5: what is their motivation like why are they doing what they're doing i wish there was i don't know i guess and we'll talk about this the way like these witches are feminists um which obviously (laughs) requires further discussion but like i was like are these witches like trying to smash the patriarchy quote unquote or like what are they doing exactly it, it never becomes quite clear and so i was left wanting i guess more of a a reason or an explanation of like why they're doing what they're doing but we can get further into that
6: sure yeah does anyone have like i mean i i sort of like i think the way that i think about this movie changes depending on like which perspective i'm looking at it from where which perspective um, which <laughs> uh but there's I think that there's a lot of like generational stuff going on in mm-hmm. this movie and that it see or I, I sort of took away that like this coven was just trying to sustain by any means necessary, mm-hmm. which you could say of like basically any societal setup. Uh, but this one is hyper feminine and also supernatural. But it I it just seemed mm-hmm. like for me, like, I don't know, I was not. I'm surprised, I I did not know that about the Argento expanded like Mm -hmm. lore because it, yeah, I think I just read, especially because of like the historical context that they were, however, like however they had to survive uh, as even like an idea or a structure Mm -hmm. that they were not above brutalizing or um, getting rid of anyone who didn't sort of fall into line with what they needed, Mm -hmm. which is like, you know, a patriarchal structure, even though this one is dominated by women. Um, but anyone who falls out of line in this world, and I think this is true of the Argento movie too, but like anyone who falls out of line with the big leaders is not just eliminated, but like tortured and humiliated and then eliminated Mm -hmm. and like discredited. And that felt clear to me. I just like, I don't know, I guess it. I'm, I'm less sure of like what the goal was of showing this happening in a strictly like matriarchal world.
7: Well, I mean, to me, what I thought it was about, mm-hmm. which was very interesting to me, was like female creativity, mm-hmm. because to me, like it really, they were a dance studio. Mm-hmm. They weren't just like a schoolhouse or something. And I think that's their thing they're fucking amazing at dancing. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a super interesting tension of like their creativity. And the woman who's kind of in charge is the kind of creative, the most creative one, but they're all kind of vying for like who's, you know, can kind of get into it the best or the best dancer. And I thought like Mm -hmm. that was their point, but maybe that's just, you know, what interests me is female creativity. And there's very few movies about female creativity, And so I I like that a lot. And then again, so I have teenage daughters Mm -hmm. and I'm uh, an elder hag. And so (laughs) the tension between the hags and the, the young women Mm -hmm. is real. Um, I, I, just to personal story, I just spent two days at my 14 year old daughter's overnight camp where all the mothers come, it's called mother's weekend. Mm -hmm. And it was mothers with their daughters for two nights at an overnight camp and you see these like daughters and then you see them walking with the mothers and they kind of look alike but there's kind of (laughs) some I don't know like they're all like the mothers are kind of like swollen and sweaty and like you know wearing shorts that don't fit them and the daughters are all just sort of like these um, like glorious like young full of life you know things and it's like real to me when i just watched it again it was super like that tension of like older women younger women the kind of physicality of it i don't know i mean does it all like is there like a straight line that you can call a, you know no but it made me think about all that stuff and that's all interesting to me
5: yeah well that's like one of the things so like mother marcos and when we finally get her reveal on screen and there's been kind of there's been hints about like what this ritual is going to be for like why it's happening and you eventually realize that she's basically looking for a new body to inhabit because the body that she currently has is And this is what we were alluding to as far as like the discussions we've had about this trope, but it's like a woman who is not young or thin is therefore disgusting. And the way that like this character is designed where she's got like extra appendages growing out of her it seems it's like there's the like baby hand. a baby head like kind of drooping from her belly oh i was thinking um, about the baby
6: hand on her arm oh, there's a so, lot yeah. of extraneous yeah
5: yeah so there's <laughs> like it's it almost seems like she's like externally pregnant is the best way i could describe it wow. either way like she's she's just characterized as being this grotesque hag and her goal here, the reason this ritual is happening, I don't know, like, it's so that she can inhabit this new, thin, young body. Is it for vanity reasons? Is it for just that she needs a body that will, like, last longer so that she can keep
6: ruling as, like, Mother Suspiriorum? That's sort of what I interpreted that as, was, like... That she is trying, I guess that that was going with like how I was viewing the movie by like, how do I sustain? We're mm-hmm. weirdly, like, we were talking, I don't know why we were talking about the Star Wars reboots, but it felt like a similar thing with like Emperor Palpatine is like, you need to go on. And like, you mm-hmm. know, he's <laughs> kind of similarly characterized as very, very grotesque, although not in the same way he's wearing a robe, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but like, <laughs> is trying to maintain this immense power that he has that not most people see or recognize by enlisting younger bodies. But then there's like, I I think that, yeah, like the fact that this older body is a woman's body that complicates things because there's like the way that like any older woman's body has been shown specifically in horror tends to be really pointed and like, aren't older women's bodies Horrific and therefore mm. evil, which is like what we talked about in, you know, when Jack Nicholson sees an old lady's butt in The Shining, <laughs> the he stunning. can't handle it. It's it's too evil. Yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know. Like it. It's tricky. I I and then with like younger women's bodies. I mean, I think that the younger women in this movie don't have a lot of power and like they Mm -hmm. and it feels like this i don't know how like effectively it's done but i guess i don't know like how the older women in charge have the actual power but they need to execute it through the bodies of these younger women which theoretically Mm -hmm. on a long enough timeline these younger women will do To other younger women. And it's like this, you know, whole churning cycle of power and manipulation. Yeah. So that's... Or maybe that's mommy. I don't know. I'm not mommy. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there ha- there's mothers, there has to be daughters, I guess, right? right. So yeah. it Or is children.
5: That. Yeah. Well, yeah. Of any gender. But yeah, in this case of this movie, it's like, yeah, the mother, quote unquote, the mother generation, and then like the daughter generation, and like the tension therein, which I do want to talk about further. But so the thing with me for this movie is that throughout the story, there's this idea of this dance company is a matriarchy. It's women looking out for each other. It's like, you know, the mothers nurturing this younger generation, and these witches are f- feminist icons, where you get like lines of, Like when one of the matrons is explaining to Susie that, you know, like you mentioned this already, Jamie, like at this company, we understand the importance of a woman's financial autonomy. Um, There's a scene where Susie and Sarah are talking about Madame Blanc and how she's awesome. And Sarah says, like, when the Third Reich wanted to shut off women's minds and keep their uteruses open... Madame Blanc was there to, like, provide a safe space for women to have, like, freedom and bodily autonomy. Um, The matrons berate Dr. Klamperer, saying, like, you had years to get your wife out of Berlin before she disappeared. Like, it's your fault that your wife is dead. And then they also berate him for not believing women when they come to him about, like, their concerns. And he instead you know, says they are delusional. So it sort of presents this idea of like, wow, look at this matriarchy, who's all about women's autonomy, and, you know, believing women and women looking out for each other. But then, like any woman who doesn't want to be a part of the witch stuff, is imprisoned and tortured, and there's like this one true leader, and if you don't pledge your undying loyalty to her, she'll explode your head off. So there's like this power structure. To me, it's like, like even that scene where they're hypnotizing and taunting. The cops, who are the only other two male characters besides Dr. Klemper, who have any kind of like narrative significance. And it seems like on the surface, that could be some kind of like feminist win. But I don't know, like... Me- they're just having fun.
7: Like, I <laughs> like to see them laughing. They're having, like, they're a really a, good time. And a it's kind of nice to see what makes them laugh. Like, it, they true. Were, that was like, they had, like, the best time ever. Um But, like... You know, I don't know if it was that, but, yeah. I don't
5: know. Like, women <laughs> abusing men the way that men have abused women is not feminism, as much as I like to yeah. goof around and joke that it is. It's not, like matriarchy is not just gender swapped patriarchy like smashing the patriarchy doesn't mean we're going to like replace it with an equally toxic and violent power structure and like the, a power structure where some women have way more power than other women that they violently wield over the women who have less power like that's not feminism that's not matriarchy so i don't know exactly what the movie's trying to say And I feel like the director thought he was making a feminist movie, but I just I feel like the takeaway from this movie is everything you've heard about a group of women actually being a coven of witches. Well, that's true. And a group of women, especially one who is like not dependent on men in any way. That's something to be feared because those women are evil and they're power hungry. They want power over the world, over men, and over each other because women be petty. And that is my takeaway. I am willing to entertain other reads of this movie because I do think you could look at this movie and read it as a feminist text. But to me, it's just like there are too many tropes of women as evil witches present that I don't know what the movie is doing to exactly challenge that, that I come down on the side of like, so what's the
7: point? Like, what's the takeaway again? I mean, maybe I'm just, I don't think it is a feminist movie,
4: <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, know. yeah I, wouldn't I, know you. know. I think they're, they're really was. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're bad women, and it's a bad matriarchy. Yeah,
7: <laughs> yeah like
4: they're they're real evil. <laughs> but,
7: yeah, yeah. It's not a feminist movie. I I just still it tracks for me mm. um, <laughs> on like a million levels. Like actually, because like when a I mommy dearest,
4: up- dearest level, you know, and that's like kind <sighs> of what I see this movie. You know, like in in a lot of ways. You know, sorry. Yeah.
7: Oh, no, I was just saying when I came up, I was a visual artist and I was in New York and worked for a lot of really amazing middle aged female artists who were hella mean. I mean, Mm. the meanest I could ever be would like be like one tenth of how mean they were. But they (laughs) what they had to get through to be even in the position they were. I was just like in awe of them and like whatever they you know, I really could identify with the young dancer to the old woman thing and mm-hmm. you know I don't think the movie's feminist but it it's a it's mm-hmm. a it's an it's an experience that like I don't think it has a point like you're saying I don't think we yeah. should be like oh this is really insightful about some you know changing the face of feminist thought but it <laughs> it it does sort of track with the time frame of what it's about women creativity women artists mm-hmm. that it's potentially, you know, at least I, I, I feel like it wasn't like science fiction. So No, I mean, it feels track for me. f- familiar. I guess
5: I'm just like annoyed that this movie that was written by a man and directed by a different man has women valuing things like Women's financial and bodily autonomy or at least saying that they value that on the surface and then like saying that people should believe women Uh and then they turn around and they're like just kidding which also does happen where like people totally. have a very like public facing totally. feminist persona but then they turn around and are like evil sexist capitalists and
6: stuff like that so I don't know maybe mm. I'm just like I yeah I guess I, I'm sort of coming down somewhere in the middle here because I mm-hmm. I also think that this, yeah, I, I agree with you, Caitlin, that like the most evil characters in the movie saying the most progressive things definitely does not bode well, I don't think. <laughs> and I would have, I think, appreciated, I think it would have maybe made, I, I, I don't know. First of all, I cannot really tell what the intended effect was for the Mm -hmm. writer and the director I truly could not figure out what they wanted me to take away from it which is fine but I just couldn't tell Mm -hmm. um but yeah some of the most technically progressive statements in this movie are made by who end up being the most evil characters Mm -hmm. and that is I I I guess it would have been I don't know, like I would have appreciated more of some sort of diversity of opinion among the older women. And if there was someone who had sort of like dissented to the general, like, because I think that existed in the younger cast where the younger women tend to feel a variety of ways about a thing. The older women tend to sort of fall in line with the same thing. And that Mm. sort of muddled the takeaway for me. The thing that like really genuinely bothered me about the way this movie ends, and maybe, and I think that there is some like worldly truth to this, but because the end of the movie was so jumbled for me, I, I just didn't like it was that, you know, at the end in a way that is like knowingly self-serving Susie goes to the six flags guy and <laughs> presents him absolution and men in black memories zaps him from mm-hmm. the horrific things that he has seen. And he, you know, receives this sort of, sort of full arc of he learns this horrible thing that has happened to his wife that he is clearly carrying a lot of guilt about that seems to be mm-hmm. implied why he is attempting to help women even though he is applying rationality to an irrational world, all this shit, right? Yeah. But the fact that, yeah, that he, <laughs> he's the only character in the movie that gets that grace and that absolution um, just mm-hmm. in general bugged me. Maybe that was the point though, maybe that's like, you know, men are extended a level of grace and absolution that women are not. I, I don't know, really, and maybe Susie was just acting, you know, in the best interests to sustain the coven and for mm-hmm. someone on the outside to know anything about the inside is bad for business and so we're not going to do it. But that was the thing that, like, I don't know, going out, especially because there are so many, like, characters inside of the dance studio that I feel like did not get a satisfactory arc to like go out of the way to give that to the literally the one male character in the movie and give him kind (laughs) of like a happy smiley ending I just like that that was the thing that really bugged me about the ending
4: like do you think it's happy smiley though if like he has no memory now of like his wife and like the love they shared
6: that's true you know yeah. i mean
4: i i don't know like to me it's like the ending is prioritizing like the history you know and the atmosphere mm-hmm. over the dance you know, like over the witches, you know, like even essentially, right. right? It's like reaching out, like just, you know, to me and my interpretation to like this, like larger metaphorical, you know, um, space that, that sort of like engages like the, you know, the whole like context and setting and the Holocaust and, you know, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. all of it, you know? And so, I mean, yeah, I, I think like that's kind of, um, and, and like, I mean this in a, caring way because i i appreciate you know sort of all of the larger historical contexts that come into the film but i think Mm -hmm. that there is like this like essential like both waysness that it's trying to have you know like Mm -hmm. like being sort of you know like taking the story of like this coven and you know this dance troupe and these women um that you know like ultimately it has to leave them to serve that you know, kind of, like, level, I guess, of, of Mm -hmm. like, thematics, I don't know, Um, so, so that, that was kind of, like, my, yeah, my thing with the ending, it's, like, I, I I understand, but it also did feel, like, a historically male narrative choice, Mm -hmm. you know, to leave the female characters behind, you know, like, in, in favor of capital H, you know, history, and, and, you know, yeah, just kind of, like, saying
7: what we'll say about war, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was also maybe I was reading too much into it, but I thought it was like some kind of like collective psyche that that guy like embodied of like being because he doesn't really feel like a person. No one does in the movie, but, you know, it's not like it's a realistic portrayal. It's so like stylized and heightened. But he to me was like, you know, whatever. And Freud, and like talk about Lacan, like they're like deep into like European intellectual uh you know theory within the film and they're letting you know that but i I think like i that's what i thought it was some sort of like she's now maybe the whatever her brain has you know if you have the witches she's got sort of coming in now it's her thing and Mm -hmm. it's like she seemed more benevolent because the other woman was clearly batshit the one that she got rid of um, like she maybe was the one causing so much chaos. We don't. She was a fraud. Know. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That lady's the fraud. So when Dakota, not Fanning Johnson, she's like you know, and clearly her mother was so fucking mean, which we didn't talk about at all. Mm-hmm. Like whatever that was, that to you know for. Alyssa and I I, I think yeah. that lady tracks the most from our world the the actual mother um yeah. who's like cursing her one curse is her daughter <laughs> it's yeah. on her deathbed. that was
4: a real bummer that yeah. was a real bummer for me
7: <laughs> yeah that's a bummer mm-hmm. and and so I just felt like okay this girl is like gonna maybe bring upon this like more benevolent thing because she gets rid of all the people who voted the other girl, oh, I you think know? absolutely keeps her people on I think and absolutely. a bunch of those hags. Yeah, they they seem like maybe the hags that were always kind of like you could they would always cut away to them like, oh, no, what's she doing now? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that lived through to the end, they they seemed a little more suspicious of the original witch hag.
4: Oh, no, definitely. So
7: I don't know. Maybe she's a better. Yeah.
4: Oh, I think she is. I mean, I, I do think that it's like about, you know, a, a sort of like, uh, comeuppance right to those in power who abused their power right but i'm also just kind of wondering like what it says about you know like like secrecy is such a thing you know sort of like within even like the building you know and like Mm -hmm. the the mirrors and like reflections and like who people literally are and lineage you know um with like the mother you know and just sort of like yeah where we came from being like so
7: Hidden and that's the whole Lacan thing, right? It's like you see right. your mother, you see yourself, and I, as I was saying on the camp, where you see the mothers and daughters together, and it's this weird funhouse mirror between the two. I mean, the movie's not a feminist movie, but it's 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 like they went for it in this movie, and I personally i like people who really go for it yeah it <laughs> did not hold them and, and they they did not take the easy road here no they did not they
6: did not yeah i mean it's like i don't know it's so weird because it's like the the stance like he comes in at an 11 this entire movie mm-hmm. but i'm still yeah. that some but there are still whole sequences where i'm like not sure what he's trying to say i i like that right. like with this psychiatrist I don't know. Like, I liked a lot of what was going on with him until the very end. The ending, I just found frustrating. But towards the beginning, it's clear that he's, like, trying to, like, apply this very, like, I guess, new-ish European psychological standard to his patients that is not working. Because Patricia is telling the truth. And he's like, well, you just have issues with your mom. And Mm -hmm. so, like... Let's work this out, which I think is, like, an issue I have with my therapist as recently as tomorrow, um, <laughs> where sometimes I'm like, I hear you, but it can't just be that. Like, we cannot just keep going back to mm-hmm. my mom. You know, I think that he's, like, applying a lot of theory to patients who are kind of just telling him what is happening to them. And I, I thought that that worked. And I like mm-hmm. that he's sort of, like his comeuppance being forced to witness the reality of what Patricia was telling him in the first scene of the movie mm-hmm. felt appropriate and like, you know, she that was almost not... feels
4: feminist, right? Like right. I mean, like <laughs> at that moment, I'm like, okay, you know, like I, I think it does, you know, approach it in moments. I think part of my um like I don't want to say, you know, like I, I want to appreciate it on its own terms, right? You know, like yeah. not everything is, you know, like um a vehicle for feminist theory but i think what's so frustrating to me about the movie is like it so easily could have been right yeah. um like like there are so many you know kind of like moments and windows and and avenues that you know like do get it right or you know do point out i mean it's also like a really fun takeaway you know that like in you know 1977 like berlin like to to be as evil as a patriarchy like to get enough power where you can like express that power and be that evil like you literally have to be supernatural witches like it's the only way you know that like women can like amass that much power you know Mm -hmm. and and that much like independence and you know financial freedom and etc etc you know I I think like there are a lot of like feminist vectors right in in the movie so I I mean Mm -hmm. I think like maybe like that was kind of one of my um peeves I guess you know at certain points where I thought it was like gonna you know like realize this um and then Mm -hmm. it doesn't but I I do feel like it's also kind of like saying you know something interesting about um history and uh atonement um you know or even just kind of like um validation of mm-hmm. of kind of yeah witness um and hollowed out cons you know like i mean <laughs> it it's bringing good stuff to the table yeah. in other ways in other ways it felt like i guess
6: at the end i felt like the what this movie was seemed like it was trying to say about history and what this movie was trying to say at different points about women felt like it got kind of muddled and jumbled, which I guess is true of the world, but it is a mm-hmm. movie, and so I was just <laughs> sort of like, it felt like, you know, there there was, it was like the culmination of this psychiatrist's view of his women patients that comes true when he's forced to witness it, but the way that his arc resolves is more related to history and less related to the other stuff, and it just felt like, I, I just was frustrated by it, but I get that, you know, like, everyone will feel... Yeah.
7: Well, I I mean, the other thing is, I mean, I I was reading a little bit about how the second one came to pass and it took it was in development for a very long time. First -hmm. of all, this is not like a slam dunk movie to make. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, and it made no money. So clearly they were, you know, had some problems. But it was originally David Gordon Green was going to direct this, which is like mind numbingly confusing to me even though I really love Dave and Gordon Green I just don't I don't somehow get it and that would have been fascinating to see yeah but I mean who the people who did make this movie like did choose to make an entirely female cast of this movie mm-hmm. that's whatever you want to say about the context of what it is that's a choice that's an unusual yeah. choice mm-hmm. and then again I'm going to harken back to the like whole concept of like female creativity I think like there's, you know, and my one of my daughters is, an, is an, an athlete. There's so few movies about female creativity and female athletes. I'm mm-hmm. um, considering how many movies are about male creativity. It's like, yeah. I, I it's mind blowing to me. And would it have been interesting if a woman made this movie? I'm sure it would have been. But I think it's still an odd choice for anyone to want to make a movie about this much about, you know, with this whole women cast. You know it, it is like whether or not it's a feminist movie they're certainly tried to make some they 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 tried to do something they took some big swings here and i don't think sure. it was i think right. I, I don't know i i I think that's interesting yeah like it, if they had if these were the people that got the script which this guy like got argento to give him the rights to the movie to make mm-hmm. it you know i don't i don't know i mean Dario Argento is way problematic we haven't gotten into it but um in terms of his own personal behavior um which i is you know slightly more upsetting than the film i guess but yeah anyway yeah
4: well i mean another reason i have you know like I, i another soft spot i guess you know that i have for the movie um that's you know kind of like one of my own like problematic trials i guess like as a creative is like how you represent you know female like evil and female violence without, you know, falling into like stereotype and trope, you know, and things that like mm-hmm. reinforce messages that are out there, you know, that are are already very harmful, and you know, have historically been very harmful, you know, like that. Yeah, that, that's just something like I'm really interested in, and that I struggle with a lot. Um, so I mean, I, I guess like, I also appreciate both sides of that struggle.
6: Mm-hmm. Right. It makes me, I, I want to go back to something. I think and you were talking about it earlier about sort of the complicated and generally bummer that was you, Alyssa message around, or, or just around Susie's specifically arc with mothers and, and motherhood that goes mm-hmm. back to me for another, I guess like chafing I was having with how this movie portrays witches because I feel like there's a few different examples in arcs in this movie where we're seeing this horrible thing happen between um, Susie's mother and Susie. Where Susie's mother is saying that her youngest daughter is this agent of, of Satan, that she is her sin, that this is the worst thing that's ever happened to her. Which is essentially like it you're led to believe Susie's been at least emotionally abused and it's also implied physically abused for Most of her childhood, which makes total Mm. sense. You want to get the fuck out of the country if that were the case. But then at the end, Susie's mother is kind of like, quote unquote, proven right. Because actually Susie has been an agent of Satan this whole time. She is evil (laughs) and she is horrible. And so you're like, Mm -hmm. well, what is that trying to say? if we're shown this horrific parent-child dynamic and then at the end the abusive parent is correct like it's just bizarre to me i, I like couldn't get my head around it
7: okay i thought it and again i'm just a, my own like dark-sided soul and my own experience but i read it as susie is an artist right susie's a dancer susie's this artist person growing up in like some kind of I don't know what that was Amish uh, Mennonite Mennonite right Mennonite thing and you know I had parents who were like you want to be a what you know you're going to be an artist mm-hmm. like you know just this real like negative whatever." and again I don't know how how bad she is at the end there you know right. we, we could agree to disagree on that one but to me I, I don't know it, I maybe them you know they just couldn't handle her levels of like ambition and creativity mm-hmm. back there in Ohio mm-hmm. uh, you know but maybe I'm just you know, that's just the way my brain goes on it.
5: Alternatively, is it the abuse that Susie endured from her mother that led her to become the witch she now (laughs) is? Like, did she start out as like a, well, because I do want to examine Susie and her arc more closely, because like, We meet her, we see her, I don't know if she's like tending to her sick mother, but she's like sitting by her bedside. And Mm. I feel like the movie, maybe I'm just sort of like, reading into this, but I feel like it's implied that the reason her mother is ill is because Susie has been making her ill with her like, witchcraft this whole time. That's not clearly stated one way or the other. But anyway. We meet Susie. She is set up to be this, you know, innocent. She's pretty shy, quiet. She's kind of awkward. She comes from this Mennonite family, the implication being that she has lived a pretty sheltered and modest life. But then she comes to Berlin, she's like at the dance school for a day. And she's like, hang on a minute, I can dance the lead in this thing because I saw a documentary about it. (laughs) <laughs> I went to the library and watched it a hundred times. Okay, that so was she has, like
6: me when I was starting stand-up though. So be careful. <laughs> I'm not judging her. I just think it's. I could it's do this funny. because I watched it on TV. That's a lot of. <laughs> I mean, I think that that is like a lot of young artists, where it's like, especially if you are Susie and you grow up with very little access to art. Like, For sure. how else do you learn you want to be an artist other than? watching it and whatever's available oh yeah no i'm not passing any or satan (laughs) or help you chats to you about it (laughs) at
7: night yeah Alyssa. Alyssa grew up in a very religious household that as an artist yes so that you know did you how did you feel for Susie? escaping the midwest
4: like you know i think that there can be a okay i don't know that this is like the right opinion to have i'm just gonna (laughs) lay it out there let's go on the assumption that it is well (laughs) it isn't um (laughs) like there was something kind of refreshing about seeing like the that you know twist and that reversal leaned into like in a way that like exists completely outside of like religious propaganda. You know what I mean? Like, just like to to be like, yeah, you know, that this was actually like true. And, you know, like maybe all of those assumptions, right? That we have about, you know, like our like willingness to, to kind of like see this, you know, young woman as a victim, yada, yada, um, you know, ha, in your face. Um, like I, I know that that's that's kind of like an overdone and and like dirty trick, but um, I don't know. I mean there there's just something about like going for it at eleven, like you say that. I don't know it kind of interested me and i liked thinking back then on the movie you know and being like okay well was i seeing you know like how was i seeing this and like how would i see it if actually like she was a vehicle for seeing this whole time you know or like actually like she was tuning into this or you know like her mom did see you know this this in her or this was her life or you know she wanted to be here for like all of these different reasons or she was lying to her friend when we thought that she was you know being like completely honest and vulnerable like i don't know you know like it was just kind of a fun little like rewind and i don't know that that i don't know that that you know even like led to like a good read of of the movie um i don't know i
6: i mean i mm-hmm. i do agree. i mean i think that like something like a huge difference between the Argento one and this one that I liked was that like in the Argento one, Susie is like the like American girl next door character. You, you are sort of like led to believe she's inherently trustworthy because she is like young and pretty and white and from America. And so you're like, well, yeah, sure. This is a little sweetie pie. I trust her. (laughs) And I like that the, that the 2018 (laughs) one is like, yeah, I did sort of assume that of the Dakota Johnson character when I was mm-hmm. like, oh, she's yeah. just a little girl from Ohio. Like, she's out of her element. Mm-hmm. And and to, like, give her more intention and more power than I had, like, it challenged whatever, my assumption of that character. And that was cool because right. it's, like, you know, not every... And, and like, this movie... I, I'm all over the place about it, but this movie does clearly have an interest in the idea of like what purity is and what it means. Cause yeah. it's something that comes up over and over and over. And one of the things that like was, I think like easiest to get rid of from the seventies one is like, there's sort of a vague implication of like a love interest for Susie from a male dancer, because it's an all genders dance studio in the first one. And they get rid of that really quickly. But I don't know just like the idea that like being involved in this coven in a meaningful way also has to do with some sort of purity and that's kept pretty vague you don't know like what you need to be pure of or about but it felt like the 2018 one had some interest in. The idea of purity, I'm not really sure where it fell, Mm -hmm. but I thought it was interesting that it brought that idea up because that was something that in the first one I felt was like assumed and very much like played on your assumptions about who you're looking at, where the Jessica Harper character, you're like, oh yeah, sure, I trust her.
7: And this one, too, there was no, like, exploitation. I didn't feel of their sexuality at all, like male gaze, women's sexuality. Like, whatever was going on with them sexually, which was something quite vague, was also <laughs> something very internal, which I can, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm there for that. Yeah. Um, you know, like, it had nothing to do with almost other, the sexuality in this film. It's very self. Uh, generated and not that much, um, which is a really rare um, when that many beautiful women like naked in a film. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I can't really think of another that didn't even broach that barely. I, I don't know. I like that a lot. And whatever, we didn't talk at all about the dreams that she's having, which I thought were really cool yeah. visually. Mm-hmm whatever that is in this light and whatever the like indoctrination thing that their spell they're putting on her. I don't know. I really enjoyed that. And that again was whatever this like auto sexuality that's happening. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I thought that was very unique to this film.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so, well, I brought up the, like her, um, she's like, I can do it. Cause I watched a documentary just to demonstrate that she's, very confident and she's like so for her to be like yeah i can dance the lead and it turns out she's right i mean she ends up being the best dancer it's implied yeah at the company and which just feels i guess like kind of foreshadowing of what's to come as far as like twist i'm mother suspiriorum and i have been all along but i just like you were saying jamie like playing to people's expectations of like a you know a soft-spoken quiet woman being trustworthy and just inherently nice and the person we're going to root for I feel like was set up to better serve the twist that she's actually the meanest witch of them all but is she the meanest because she does like show compassion to you know Sarah and Patricia and Olga who are like begging for death and she's like yeah babe got you no problem
6: Um, may we all have a friend so merciful (laughs) to provide the sweet release of death (laughs) right so I don't even know if I have any
5: kind of like conclusive thoughts on this as far as like the way Susie is portrayed and her arc and the way she's initially characterized versus like her coming into her own power. And like you were talking about Allison, like her sexuality in a way that is completely separate from men. And it's just like her kind of having sex with the ground sometimes, (laughs) like kind of writhing around and sort of fucking the ground here and there and then there's that scene where i mean we've all done it um
6: yeah i mean (laughs) if you get too close to a dryer and it's in heat a dryer in heat
5: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and then there's like that scene that conversation between madame blanc and susie where where madame blanc is like how did it feel to dance. And she's like, I felt like what I imagine it feels like to fuck. And she's like, Oh, like to fuck a man. And Susie's like, No, I was thinking of an animal
7: which i don't quite know how to interpret well, that. I thought- that that's it- that's my language I, I was like in it with that like i, I was way more yeah. interested than if it was about fucking a man like I I, thank you know, god like, yeah yeah like that's a
4: redemption yeah scene
7: for sure we all know like, what that I feels think. like yeah, no,
4: mm-hmm. yeah i don't know and i mean like let me just say something else awful um Please. like they're like there's so i just as a viewer you know now it's like i see so many things that you know in in a good way you know are are trying not to equate female sexuality with you know being like out of control or you know morally wrong that like sometimes it's just maybe especially like in like if you can't do it in horror i don't know like in horror i think sometimes it's just fun that like you're really horny because of the devil i was raised catholic (laughs) like i don't know but like for me that was just kind of like yeah you know like you you leave the farm you know like you get the devil and like then like you know you are like an erotic fucking dancer Mm -hmm. you know um and i mean like they they are dancing like so fucking erotically yeah yeah like maybe because of satan and i just enjoyed that
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. sorry
4: sorry no no
7: no i <laughs> no i'm just processing there's i, I we're, we're, we're pretty dark-sided so like you know you, you just oh. you, you should have known who you were <laughs> discussing this movie I, we should have done true beverly there. because it would have been a much better you know, take we would have um, had a
5: little do tape. you know that I am Mother Superior. <laughs> <the> I'm <laughs> sick of <laughs> devil.
4: I am Satan. You are the hollowest cunt of all. Thank you. Finally, someone You're
5: admitted it.
4: I don't know. I, I, I think that like, especially with scenes
6: about sex and purity, there's like a bajillion ways to look at it, some of which I think are really horny and cool. And then it's like uh, others are not. and And that's part of why it's a movie and you can see it however you want
4: but don't the costumes help like i i mean i think they're like showgirls level you know what i mean like i feel like too if you're like sexy and like an interesting enough costume this is just me i just feel like you like transcend gay like somehow you you just like you go outside of like the like normal realm of just kind of like sex objectness
7: And even the middle-aged woman, as a middle-aged woman, were really sexy, too, in this Mm. movie, in a completely unusual take on, you know, no plastic surgery, no, like, I'm trying to look young, but I'm actually 60 years old. Like, they were all kind of sexy in this really fun, different, I don't know, European people get to do that or something way (laughs) that I was personally very impressed by and got some maybe style tips like again <laughs> for being super cool and you know I don't know I, I thought they were great it's all about the middle part baby middle part mm-hmm. there
6: yeah I mean it's cool because I, I read I, I tried to read a fair like swath of criticism and praise of this movie and I, I read some writers who came down firmly that the way that um, Susie's sexual awakening is framed kind of plays into tropes of how women's sexuality is seen as dangerous and devious Mm. and how like women's confidence is seen as like inherently bad if you view the ending as Susie being inherently bad but you can also see it in a way that's like really fucking cool and a way that the fact that like the way that sex is or even just like horniness in general in this movie is shown is very like individual like no one is hooking up at all like the way that people view sex like they're fucking themselves and they're fucking the ground it's like women figuring out sex in a very individual way which you don't really see a lot and like Mm -hmm. I I kind of I don't know it's kind of fun to see a, a gorgeous woman fuck the ground i liked that part yeah. but then i read criticism of it and i was like was i wrong for liking the part where dakota johnson fucked the ground and then i was like no i'm
7: not <laughs> no two we're things can be correct. true we're all correct. No. I, I didn't read any criticism of the movie but i will say no i will say no <laughs>
6: I, I have a quote here i i wanted to share it because i was looking for sort of like if there was any sort of thesis statement that luca guagnino had made about this movie about what we were talking about specifically and there was an interview he did when the movie around when the movie came out on moopy that sort of addresses this and it also addresses his hisperia in relation to argento's hisperia mm-hmm. so this is for the room uh he says this in 2018 Quote, the focus of Dario's movie was the idea of older women recruiting younger women. The relationship between the girls and the matrons of my dance academy is quite different as they are terrible mothers aside from casting their magic spells. I deal in the concept of the uncompromising force of motherhood. A mother is supposed to be caring, nurturing, unbiased, and devoted, but what if that is all our own prejudgment? Even if you are the most radical person, you think of motherhood adhering to accepted norms. But real danger lies in that presumption as motherhood comes from deep conflict, the banality of postpartum depression, the refusal to bond with the child, and the complexity of the relationship between mother and daughter that can often turn into a competition. If you make a movie about witches, basically a group of women bound to a pact of solidarity and sorority with power within themselves, you have to be open to the possibility that they aren't just simple evil characters. They are very complex ones, and it's not all about nature and nurture, unquote. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've got with Luca and the girlies.
4: (laughs) Wish I hadn't heard that uh i'll yeah. say
7: yeah. yeah that's i i really usually read absolutely nothing about movies and i don't like to read what people say about it but yeah no that's not that's less interesting than my thoughts on it just um you mm-hmm. know because i don't think at least i wasn't understanding like the any kind of like mothers have to be one way or another like there's a lot of ways to be a mother mm-hmm. and i don't you know so i don't
6: i i apologize for sharing that quote but I did it on purpose <laughs> <laughs>
7: because
6: I just feel like I don't know like I'm not trying to imply that it is impossible for a man to make a feminist movie, we have found on this show that that is absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. However, it is statistically unlikely. And sometimes (laughs) if they do it, it is sometimes by accident or Mm -hmm. maybe it is like the way that the movie is received in the general sense or received by women and feminists is not necessarily the way, like it's sort of a mistake and you kind of stumbled (laughs) into this, which is like still net good for the world if Mm. there is a feminist movie out there, even if you didn't mean to. But (laughs) I just do, I I think that I'm trying to think of, I know that there's at least one other example of a movie we've covered on the show that it's like a movie about women that is two times over been adapted by only men. And I feel like Mm. that more often than not results in, kind of what we've been bumping up against this whole episode like for better or worse like a lot of dissonance and like not a lot of clarity which can be fun because it means it's sort of like a fun house whatever it's Olga's death room it's a fucking fun house mirror full of (laughs) ways to view right what you think is being told based on who you are and how you feel about it but it just feels like I don't know this movie For all the parts that I liked and all the parts I didn't, it just felt a little ultimately kind of muddled and unclear. And I cannot definitively say it's because it's a story, like it's a story about a coven of women that is only, that has been told, conceived of. And I did even deeper research. All of the texts that are cited as being influential on like psychology, also men, it's just Mm -hmm. like in the way that we, I think, oh, I'm thinking about Carrie, About how Carrie is written by Stephen King and adapted by De Palma and other men, where there's a lot to love about that movie, and there's a lot that we loved about that movie, but there's a lot of dissonance because it's sort of men guessing around women's experiences in a way that Mm -hmm. when it hits, it's great, and when it doesn't, it's completely baffling because you're like, what are they trying to say? Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, Kind of ultimately where I come down in this movie. I, uh, yeah, there's like, it really is. Yeah, this
7: isn't like yeah. the super insightful movie about mothers or <laughs> <Yeah>. women. <laughs> it, it, I would definitely not. Like, I, you know, for me, that maybe be like terms of endearment, James Brooks, like, mm. you know, that's like you a great mother daughter by a man movie. Okay. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Yeah. That's a really, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, I also watch a lot of stuff about mothers and daughters and it's like a whole, you know, again, I I like the Gilmore Girls a lot, too. Um, but I don't think this is that. And I wouldn't want to hear whatever the director's name is thoughts about motherhood. But I, <laughs> um, you know, I personally am often more interested in like, a, you know, the bad mother story than the super wonderful redeeming isn't she just the greatest mother ever story yeah even something like everything everywhere which is a mother-daughter story a little saccharine for somebody like me but like so just for my own personal taste like I prefer like a big you know swing at just an insane rabbit hole of motherhood Mm -hmm. than like you know just really try to as a man get into that mother-daughter bond. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack mm-hmm. the code on that one. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Just stay out of it. But if you if you're gonna get into it, like I'd rather see this, I guess. Sure. I mean nobody I mean-
4: comes out unscathed, right? You know, motherhood. Nobody, you know, like, yeah, he he got that part.
6: We all have baby hands on us.
7: At the end of
4: the day, you don't know
7: what's underneath this muumuu I'm wearing. You have no idea what's underneath. Yeah, you don't
5: want to. I guess, like for me, it's. I think there is room to examine stories about mothers and their children, and specifically mothers and daughters, and every way that dynamic could possibly go. Like that is those are relationship dynamics worth exploring in movies that rarely are explored because most movies uh as we always joke about but it's true are about fathers and sons and so it is rare to see a mother-daughter relationship or just like a depiction of motherhood on screen period even attempted to explore right and then and then often when it is it's it is sometimes still told by men which means it's probably not going to be very nuanced or it's going to come from a very male perspective is like well this is how i saw my sister interact with my mom and they were always fighting because kind. women are mad at each other all the time so that's what my movie's about you know that kind of thing
6: and that even that's rare but i'm like oh if my brother made a movie about how he <laughs> thought my mom <laughs> and my relationship was it would just be incorrect it would just be all right made up Mm -hmm. but that's on him and that's a personal call out
5: yeah all that to say like uh, there should be more stories about motherhood there should be more stories that explore nuanced relationships between mothers and daughters or mother figures and a younger generation you know that kind of thing And about
6: like not totally virtuous perfect moms the way that we see them yeah, flawed mothers. Maybe watch teenage, teenage euthanasia. Teenage Could
5: euthanasia is a good one. Uh,
7: better things. <laughs> Pamela yes. Adlon show yeah. is one of my other personal favorite uh, mother daughter. Her mother, you know, like a three generation mother story. This one had, I guess, other than the creepy super melty witch woman was maybe their grandmother. I don't know. Anyway, I, I do like a sort of multi generational mm-hmm. uh, mother story.
6: Yeah. Another one we, I'm trying, I mean, like, Gilmore Girls, another really fun one. We just covered recently Miss Juneteenth. That's a great mother-daughter story. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many good ones. And, you know, I think sometimes, even though this movie was, you know, technically a, a flop, Uh, men work forever they they, it's very hard for them to fail and so even though this was technically a fail like a financial failure for this director he's fine he has three movies movies. in production he's fine i haven't seen this is unrelated i haven't seen his his next movie bones and all Um, oh i did see it it's horny and bloody is that true
5: that is true. Okay, I would use second. other words to describe it. Um, <laughs> mostly, that I didn't like it very much. Okay.
6: Well, but that's just my personal opinion. Either way, I mean, it's I, I I like stories about motherhood, and there's I I feel like it is not a hot take to say that the best ones tend to be uh, written by mothers. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. So brave of you. And we have evidence in this very Zoom call that that's the
5: case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does anyone have anything else they'd like to discuss?
6: Uh no, that's it for me.
4: I I would just say that like um I I I love the extremity, you know, of this movie um and I love how like um like the depths of of how horrible a lot of the mother figures get to be mm-hmm. are just two things um two plugs since we talked about a lot of antis mm-hmm. I yeah. want to make sure I represent that absolutely of course. hell
5: yeah uh i just want to touch on that this is a very white cast there are a few members of the staff and dancers who are women of color, but they rarely get lines of dialogue. They get little to no characterization. All of the important characters to the narrative are white. And it just feels especially pointed that Mm -hmm. the cast does include some women of color, but they are really Mm -hmm. only there to be in the background and not at all in the
6: foreground. Yeah, only the white characters get any manner of character arc in this movie. Yeah.
7: Yeah, I've never seen any other films by this director. They're Italian, but I, I don't know what their deal is on that topic. Or is it a one-off of that, or yeah, you know, they're casting their movie. I, I don't. I honestly
6: don't either. I still have controversially not seen Call Me by Your Name. Uh, I haven't seen it either. So I, I don't know. I did not see Bones and all. Um, But yeah, I also found it frustrating that it's like if the director clearly wanted to have a diverse cast but didn't have an interest in any character outside of the white actors. So that feels double bad to me. I
5: will say Bones and All, the main character is a woman of color. So he course corrected in
7: that movie.
6: Yay, Lucas.
5: I
7: think they probably got the money for this for Tilda Swinton and Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. Being in it, I I assume that's how this thing was funded. Yeah. um, And then moved out from there. But yeah, I I, I doubt this was an easy funder, whoever paid for this. I, Mm. I, I, whatever. uh, Yeah.
5: Yeah, can you imagine like finance bros who are like, yeah, I'll, I'll help fund your movie. <laughs> Wait, it's about a group of women? Um,
6: pass. <laughs> or even, no, if we're going to have Tilda Swinton play the Six Flags guy. We need $20 <laughs> yeah. million dollars no, minimum. All,
4: all they would have had to do is show a clip of the floor fucking. Like, honestly, <laughs> I think the is, finance I bros think... would have been in. No, I, I don't
7: think. No, so. you think, I don't know. I don't, they, they didn't even show. Anyone's breasts that was the major people right like you i don't see know an outline of dakota it's
6: until okay. the end in the freaky blood-covered security footage that you see pretty much everyone that you see me a goth naked you see but i mean whatever
4: now oh, it sounds okay. creepy mm-hmm. and
6: like i'm keeping count so <laughs> i'm removing myself from this conversation
4: i've seen him throw money at you know
6: less <laughs> yeah. yeah i was keeping a count of how many nips i saw and nice. that's feminist just kidding well speaking um, of nips though first
5: we'll, we'll before our nipple scale we test. once again test. remind you that the movie definitely passes the Bechtel test almost Easily constantly. Easily and over and over, yeah. Yes, yes. Except so, for scenes with the Six
6: Flags guy or exchanges <laughs> about the Six Flags guy. That's pretty much it. Which, uh, again, played by
5: a woman. And we talked about gender-swapped casting recently on the Hairspray episode mm-hmm. because John Travolta yes, yeah. plays a woman and how it's very rare for a woman to play a male character. And this movie is actually one of the few examples I can think of where that happens. And I think Tilda Swinton does a great job in that performance and in every performance in this movie and just in general in every movie she's in. But she does such a convincing job that there were members of the cast of this movie who didn't know that that was Tilda Swinton. So,
4: should
7: that, that be allowed? Like, should that be allowed? <laughs> that does I'm seem just asking. deceitful. What do you mean? Like in like a bad grandpa kind of way? Like is it, you know, like what what do you mean?
4: <laughs> I I like I just wonder if I'm like at work doing my job, not consenting, you know, to like not know who people really
7: are. That's
4: fair. I okay. don't That's know. Fair. I don't know.
7: Oh, so if you're like, oh my god, Tilda's such a bitch, and then you like you yeah. tell the old guy, you're like Yeah. And I'm like, yeah.
4: thank fucking God, I'm not <laughs> painting the barn on Tilda's swinton today her pores are huge and then you're like oh no i've been fired it can happen
6: she's a chameleon (sighs) to everyone else's professional detriment uh i don't know (laughs) yeah i that's the only thing because yeah that's the only thing i specifically remember about this movie's like press run was that at some point it was revealed that tilda swinton was the Six Flags guy. And once... It was in, like, the New York Times. Like, Tilda Swinton announces she's the Six Flags guy. And once you know... I still don't see the resemblance. (sighs) The Six Flags guy doesn't have hair. Wake up! (laughs) (laughs) Once you see... Once you know that that character is played by Tilda Swinton, it is very clear in, like, the voice, mostly. But um, Mm -hmm. I just thought that that was funny. that that I don't have a opinion on it but that's like the thing i most clearly remember i don't remember it being like it's a reinterpretation of this beloved slasher film it was like did you know that tilda swinton put on a lot of makeup every day just like when mm. jim carrey was the grinch and i didn't know that and, oh, wow. and then i proceeded to not <laughs> see it in theaters so what does that say about me <laughs> anyways
5: uh so onto our nipple scale where we rate the movie on a scale of zero to five nipples based on examining the movie through an intersectional feminist lens. Uh, Again, I am still not quite sure how I feel about the movie. I think things are presented that allow for a read of like, this is a movie about almost entirely women who are powerful (laughs) and who are expressing themselves creatively and the dynamics between and among them are interesting, you could argue. And there are strong themes of motherhood and of female creativity and other things that we tend to talk about. So on the surface, I think it's like pretty cool, a lot of the things that this movie is doing, but I can't shake the feeling that it, I think if, this a similar premise was handed over to a writer and director who was a woman uh, and who had a much closer relationship with motherhood or being a daughter who had a mother uh, or has a mother uh, of being a woman who expresses creativity like and just like knowing how groups of women as witches are so often Represented in film and maybe trying to subvert some of those tropes and subverting the tropes of an older woman being grotesque and wanting to steal the body of a younger woman, you know, things like that. Um,
4: but I do. I'm old and I want to steal. Wait a young
5: till body. you get there. Wait
4: till you get
5: there. Just, I, just saying.
4: Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, gimme.
5: <laughs> but but here's what I'm gonna. I'm just gonna suck the. Blood of young men,
4: mm.
7: and that's how
5: I'll stay youthful.
7: They're not as nearly as beautiful. I'm sorry. It's but that's okay. True. It's my own opinion. <laughs> One woman's opinion. <laughs> I wouldn't cross the street to suck their blood. Well, um, fair. Yeah. Uh, no
5: i i don't know i think this movie it, it, there there's interesting things i think uh visually it's cool and beautiful uh i just still don't know quite what i'm supposed to take away as far as like the filmmakers intentions. I think there's some muddled stuff there that to me appear to just be relying on tropes of, well, powerful women who are near each other, well, they are witches, and they're gonna kill you. But also, it could just be an examination of power, regardless of gender, of the gender of the person who is wielding that power, like that power needs to be kept in check. And You know, just because a woman has power doesn't mean that she should abuse it or something. I don't know. There are a lot of different ways to read the story of this movie. But I don't know. I just, I'm so tired of like women are witches and evil stories. Um, So I think I'll give the movie like, I don't know, two, two and a half nipples... And I will give one to Dakota. What is it? Johnson. Not fanning. Johnson. Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Uh, I will give one to Alec Weck, who plays the one of the matrons. She is, I think, the only black woman in the movie who has lines. And she only has, like, two of them. Mm. And... I'll give my I'll give my half nipple to friend of the cast, Jessica Harper.
6: Yay. Uh yeah, I'm gonna go down the middle on this movie as well. Um I do think I, I I'm like maybe this opinion I will will be changed as with most opinions that we've had at various points on this show over time. But this does feel very much to me, even though it was in production and in development for so long the way that it came out feels very of a very specific cultural moment where i think you get a lot of male auteurs attempts at having women meaningfully included in their movies and i think that this very much depends from director to director level of success level of possibly pandering or guessing their way around an experience that they don't share I just like it just feels very men are making movies post me Too, and look at this one (laughs) a lot of like like we've been talking about for the past two hours it it, not all of it works for me I think that yeah there is a lot of saying the right thing but the theme kind of undermining the right thing quote-unquote that was said and then there is a lot of like I think interesting ideas in this movie I like the historical context it puts everyone into. I I, I like Mm -hmm. building out the worlds of the women that exist within this coven. I like the fact, like, I like the just general idea, because I feel like in this same span of time, and I think this is continuing now, there is this sort of very naive assumption that if if women ruled the world, everything would be perfect. And you're like, well, that excludes literally every other possible <laughs> element of being a person in a way that is ultimately, I think, reductive to women. Mm-hmm. To think that women would completely get it right when they're still very much human and there's all of these other elements that factor into being a person. So I, I like that the women mm-hmm. in this story are... Uh, imperfect in different ways but overall especially after reading how the director was kind of gaming it out I think a lot of it doesn't work and it's not something I will revisit but you know it I I would love to see as my I, I like I like that Luca Guadagnino did this but I would love to see more coven stories that are written By women, if they're going to majority include women, it still feels like that isn't happening on the level it should be. Mm -hmm. And in conclusion, I think that's why people should watch teenage euthanasia. And so I'm going to give this two and a half nipples. I'm going to give one... To Dakota Johnson's Architectural Digest house video, <laughs> which you can watch on YouTube, it is so funny. She's lying on her ass the whole time. She's some of the only good nepotism available, as far as I know. Uh, I love her. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to give one to Mia Goth, and mm. I will give the remaining half nipple to the Six Flags guy, the actual one. Oh, sure. Yeah, exactly. And so on.
7: Well, I'm not going to defend this, this movie to the ends of the earth, but I enjoyed watching it and I enjoyed watching it the first time. And this time I, I like things that are kind of a mess that you don't know what to make. <laughs> That's again, a personal preference. I don't like a, I don't like a straight line. I don't yeah. I like a, a, I like a pretzel. And uh, <laughs> I don't like when people tell me what to think. Cause then I immediately stop thinking it. So, for those people, you might like this. And then I, I thought it was, uh, again, I'm all into anything about women creativity. So I don't know. I'm going to give it a three nipple. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going more than that, but I, I, I'm i going to go a little higher. And I'm going to give one to Mia Goth and one to the production designer and the mm-hmm. wardrobe hair team mm-hmm. because it was really fun. So Editors were good too. It was it was well made movie. Yeah. In the yeah. technical No
4: denying realm. that. Hell yeah. Can I can I give Hollow cunts instead of nipples? Yes. Please. Please. Absolutely. Okay. Um, if it didn't have Tilda eating chicken wings, <laughs> I I think then I would give it a three. But it does have have that. <laughs> um and um, it was really hard to watch all of the bone breaky thing. You know, like like mm. I, 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 it's very very difficult. You know, to um to make me look away. And I, I thought that yeah, a lot of like the the bone breaky horror was good and um
7: bone breaky stuff was about uh, the chicken wings
4: (laughs) (laughs) the most painful views I mean if we could have extended that sequence yeah then it could have been five hollow cunts I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna go 3.5 hollow cunts I'm gonna do Mm -hmm. that um I like it's just a weird one you know it's a it's a problematic weird one um and I I liked the ride um, and I'll I'll give all of the hollow cunts to the super witch mother creature. Um, she needs all the teats and the <laughs> cunts that she can find, um, mm-hmm. you know. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah.
6: She's collecting them.
4: For an undisclosed oh. later project
6: that she's had in development <laughs> yeah. for the amount of time this movie was in development.
5: Exactly. Well, thank you both so much for thank joining you.
6: us for this discussion. For having us. Yeah, this was fun. Anytime. Tell us about teenage euthanasia and where you can check it out.
4: Well, um, you can check it out on Adult Swim. Um, new episodes drop on Wednesday nights at midnight, and then they're available the next day on Max. Um, you can slide right into season two. Um, you don't need to watch season one first, you can, uh, you can kind of like dip, you know, dip your hollow cunt in the water with season two. And then, you know, if you like how it feels, you can watch season one, but they are, season one is up in its entirety on max to stream and available. And it is about, um, yeah, we have, we have definitely the dysfunctional matriarchy, um, family funeral home that is run by a woman. It's three generations of, you know, female characters um, passing their trauma down to the other in um, kind of like a parallel universe post apocalyptic Florida.
7: And if you like hollow cunts, you might be disappointed because the main character's vagina is filled (laughs) with crotch beetles, magical ones. Mm -hmm. She's a zombie reanimated corpse and who has death powers. And also it's animated. We don't have Suspiria level um, budgets here. So this is an animated program. Um, Yes.
6: No, still amazing. It is. It is. If you like the opposite of a hollowed out cunt and just <laughs> one that is a full, a full one, just an yeah. over a cornucopia <laughs> of various teeming with insects he is a teeming cunt um yeah. well then do we have the show for you i feel like i should also full disclosure i'm uh, i'm a writer on this show and i love yeah. it very much and i think you should watch it because it rocks and um it's teeming with, you know, vaginas full of beetles.
4: And you, I've got to say, have just brought the grossness and the body horror to a level that I think Allison and I could have only dreamed of in our conception Um. of teenage (laughs) euthanasia. So we are just so in our gratitude to you for that.
7: Yeah, a tip of the cunt to you, Jamie. It's Mm. just an absolute pleasure. Beautiful. Oh, my
6: cunt runneth over! Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, no, I it's it's the absolute best. I love shoving new disgusting insects into our characters. <laughs> it's the greatest. <laughs> and you can uh, find the Beitel cast in all the regular places. You can find us on Instagram and. Whatever they're calling it now Thanks. on at at, at Bechtelcast. You can follow our Patreon, aka Matreon, wow, pretty mm. scary German dance studio of us. <laughs> For five dollars a month, you get two bonus episodes a month. Imagine that.
5: Imagine that. You can also grab our merch at tpublic.com slash Cast for all of your merchandising needs. And uh, just a little reminder that all of our merch is designed by a one Jamie Loftus. So even more reason to get My it.
6: cunt runneth over ideas <laughs> for merch. With, with so, many
5: talents. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's all right. go into the basement and dance Stay around naked. Church. Chests open, <laughs> <Yes>. revealing our <laughs> rotting
6: hearts. Bye. Bye.
0: <laughs> Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.